I tell you what, I uh, I wandered into the uh, I wandered into the uh, main lobby there, the food court area, and I just saw people talking and praying. I couldn't sleep, so I wandered in there like 2 a.m. and some of you guys still in there hanging outside. It's awesome. This is what I love about Family God that we're there to build one another up no matter what time it is. I absolutely love that. And my uh, lesson this morning is on building one another up. And I want you guys to really come out of here quick to find more ways to build one another up. Not just be that Jenga piece, but knowing that Christ is that cornerstone and that we are not all just pieces of that, but that we are meant to be in there tight, building one another up, really raising the roof together. Amen, church? Um, this is a picture of our church family back home. One thing we like to do in Gators of Christ is anybody that has an idea on how we can build one another up or see what they lost, reach out to the community, it's never a bad idea. We try to do everything that our students suggest. Well, not everything, but most everything that our students suggest. So this was something that came about a few years ago uh, where we realized there were some people that were going to go without Thanksgiving. So we did a... Uh, a, a, a not just a canned food drive, but we were asking for money so we could go down to Publix, our local supermarket here in Florida, and go down and buy a bunch of discounted food items and put those together and make Thanksgiving baskets uh, for those in our community that wouldn't otherwise have Thanksgiving. We went from making 30 baskets a few years ago to uh, this past year making about 250 baskets. And our students get it out there to uh, those in the community and we don't just put a church invitation out there, but we're like, hey, we want you to come be a part of what we're doing in uh, growing together and worshiping God. So this is something that we uh, started doing and building one another up. Can you go ahead and advance? This is my beautiful family. Uh, the ugly guy on the left-hand side, far left, uh, that's my brother, uh, the bald guy. And I'm the ugly guy on the right-hand side, and my dad's the more handsome gentleman there in the middle. Uh, but something about my parents, believe it or not, my parents are 73 years old, both of them. And uh, last year, at the beginning of 2016, actually, so it was about two years ago, uh, my parents both found out they had it. They had cancer one month apart. Like my first, my mom, in early January, and my dad a month later. And our family was absolutely devastated. And we did everything. I, I, I told, talked to our elders and said, look, there are going to be times when I have to be home because uh, we live in Gainesville. My my family, my parents, where I grew up, is in St. Petersburg, about two and a half hours away. But I said I, I've got to be there for my parents. It was 2016 was the hardest time of my life. But I looked at some of our group. I looked at James back there, and I looked at so many others in our group that Darren and I said, "You guys help. We need to not just build one another up, but we need to be the family that is there for one another when I can't be." And so they helped lift me up in prayer. Everything that I was doing for others, suddenly I was the one that was in need our family. Well, praise be to God, 2017 happened, and both my parents are cancer-free uh, due to the glory of God. Uh, so clap that up. It has been a huge, a huge burden when you lift it off of our family's shoulder. Uh, but uh, it's all to the glory of God. But you know what? God would be glorified if he had taken my parents home to heaven, just like Matthew's dead. Uh, but that, the fact that they're still here. And I'll tell you what was really cool, and I, I'd be remiss if I didn't tell you guys this. 
My parents were the biggest evangelists in the hospital doing their chemo and their radiation. Uh, one thing my dad, and I shared this with our group a few times, my dad uh, invited the doctor, not to church, but to uh, their house. And they, he finally came over one day when they were feeling better and sat down with my parents and he and his wife. And the doctor, very well off, very rich, uh, he's talking about, he wasn't trying to brag on himself, but he's talking about a uh, yacht he had just sailed on. And my dad, my dad's pretty uh, introverted. You know, he did, he'll say things, not to me, he'll whip my butt. But my dad's introverted in the fact that he won't say a lot, but he wants to live like Christ. But my dad was the most bold evangelist I've ever seen. He told the doctor when he was talking about a job, other things, he just said, look, meaningless, meaningless, it's all meaningless. He started quoting Ecclesiastes and telling the doctor that the only thing that matters is the relationship with God. Well, fast forward in time, that doctor and his wife visited the church a few times. They haven't become Christians yet, but they're baby stepping towards that because of my parents' boldness. And so it's just been awesome to experience that and the blessings of family. And the blessings of being together in this family. I couldn't wait to get here. Now that I'm here, I'm like, I don't want this weekend to end. Sure, it's cold, but who cares? This is our family. Amen, church? And this is our family. No matter where we go and what we do, this is what we need to build up. And we build it up on the cornerstone of Christ. Uh, to then go out and reach the world and bring others in. But if we can do it right here, then we can do it right out there. All right, let's advance. Romans 12, being a living sacrifice. Therefore, I urge you, brethren, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies a living and holy sacrifice, acceptable to God, which is your spiritual service of worship. And do not be conformed to this world any longer, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, so that you may prove what the will of God is, that which is good and acceptable and perfect. Oftentimes, I stop there when I'm doing a lesson. I just say, hey, you know, it's all about spiritual service of worship. It's being transformed by the renewing of our mind. But if you read down further, check this out in verse 9 of Romans 12. Let love be without hypocrisy. Abhor what is evil. Cling to what is good. Keep reading. Be devoted to one another in brotherly love. Give preference to one another in honor. Not lagging behind in diligence. Fervent in spirit. Serving the Lord. Rejoicing in hope. Persevering in tribulation. Devoted to prayer. Contributing to the needs of the saints. Practicing hospitality. I want you to notice some things in here. Be what to one another? Devoted. Be devoted to one another. Just as I was there for my family through all of 2016, I went from like calling my parents once a week to being like every single morning, every single night. That was what devotion looked like when my family needed me in a, in a time of trouble, true trouble. And since that time, I still talk to my mom and dad every single day of 2017 and the beginning of 2018. There's not a morning that I don't uh, think, oh, you know, my parents will be there. They may not be here tomorrow. Pick up the phone and call them. Be devoted to one another. How do we communicate with the family of God? Is it just superficial? Is it on social media only? Or are we really devoted to one another? In brotherly love, giving preference to one another in honor. And if you skip down to 13, just so I don't stay here too long. 
practicing hospitality. Hospitality is not just some of you guys cooking a meal and having others in your group over. Practicing hospitality as the way they practiced it in the New Testament church is taking it to people. So it's not just being hospitable in your own home. It's taking it to other people. When you guys take the opportunity to enter somebody else's home, to meet somebody else on campus, to go to somebody else and say, hey, I just want to love on you. We are together going to talk to you, hear what you need, provide those needs, and be servants of Christ out there. That's practicing hospitality. Let's move on. All right, this is our Gator football team. Again, we had a cruddy football team this past year. I think we won four games, maybe three. I don't know. It was awful. But this is back a few years ago. This is when Tebow played. One thing that the team did together, there was probably six or seven Christians on the team, to be honest, of like 90 guys. Uh, but then uh, something started happening, and guys started becoming Christians, and guys started getting baptized. And before you knew it, there were about 20 25 Christians on that national championship team for Florida back in 08 that had spread like wildfire and this was at the crux of why they were winning championships. Not that they were very talented, they had a little bit of talent, but because they were devoted to one another in brotherly love, this is what, at least in Gainesville, we know that 08 championship team of being centered on Christ. Keep going. How is your church family building one another up? Is it just a check-in and a check-out on Sunday morning? Or are you guys realizing that, just like Matthew was talking about, that the cornerstone of Christ, that we need one another? Is it that you are sometimes like, well, I don't really like the praise and worship sometimes. I don't know about the speaker sometimes. I don't know if it meets my needs sometimes. Or are we about glorifying God and building the church of Christ up together. That's what's most important when we get together on Sundays. It's about glorifying God, but it's also about building one another up in praise and worship and in honoring God. Keep going. All right, keep going. Keep going. Keep going. Keep going. There you go. <laughs> A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another, even as I have loved you, that you also love one another. By this, all men will know that you're my disciples. If you love one another. What I love about family education, what about love about being one family, is that I can know. All right, I sit right here. This is awesome because awkwardly, we're all one big family. We're here to love one, one another. Not so much a physical sense all the time, but really, I, I honestly I can't wait to get these big hugs by people I'm like I remember you, I know your name, and others that are like I remember you. They're like, hey, good to see you. They call me my name. I'm like, yes, I love you too, brother. I love you. You know, whatever it is, I love the fact that we have one big family and that we are here to love one another. And it's so important that we practice the ways we want to love one another as one fam in order to make that known to the world. Again, if you guys are loving on one another uh, with the intense love that Christ commands us to have, then we're going to have the world be drawn in. But unless we get it right here, it ain't going to be right out there. Amen, church? We have got to get it right within 
the church and the one fam in order to be able to seek and save the lost. Keep going. Go. What does this kind of love look like in a church family? I thought about this. I wrestled with it. Here's the ways I came up with. Go ahead. Click it. It's about dying to ourselves and making space in our lives for others. Here's your practical. Be dead to yourself and make space in your life for other people. Keep going. It's about sacrificing some of what we love, our leisure, our comfort zones, our own time. How many of you guys come home from a hard day of work and school and you're just like, it's my time. Let's Netflix this up. Let's, let's be honest. We come home and we want to have our own comfortable time. Raise your hands if this, this is you. Okay, this is most of the room. This is me, to be honest with you guys. And there's nothing wrong with that. But there is something wrong with that if that's all we do when we're not in class and we're not on campus and we're not at work. If all we're doing is seeking our own comfort, trying to get Netflix to work here during break, you know, with, a, it, with thousands of people on the internet. It's like, oh, that's not working. Forget that. You know, if all we're seeking is our own pleasure all of the time, something's wrong. Okay? We've got to be about making room in our lives for other people. And that's what I love. When we go on a retreat like this during, during the uh, beginning of the school year, we're away from all the distractions. And all we get to do is love on one another and build one another up. But it's when we get back to those distractions on Tuesday, after the holiday is over, that the distractions start happening again. Okay? So be careful of that. Make sure you are reflecting a life of self-sacrifice in order to make room to build one another's up, build others up. Uh, keep going. It's about genuinely recognizing those around us, engaging with them, and listening to their stories. That's another thing I love, is staying up till 2 a.m., talking with people. I know Darren and I, uh, this is our college deacon, Darren Caulfield. I know Darren and I, we are older. We're always like, we're, we're sometimes like, I don't know if I can stay up till whatever hours of night. But we will make that sacrifice of our own sleep if it means connecting with somebody that needs to be built up in Christ. Amen, church? We need to always realize that there are those around us that need us, and we need to engage with them. When we make it about an inward thing, then we forget to listen to other people's stories. When we make it an outward thing, then we'll remember to listen to other stories, to really genuinely not just say, how you doing? Fine. But really listen to other people and what they need in connecting them with Christ. Number three, it's, about find, it's not about finding a quick fix or solving their problems. But it's about being there, walking a journey with others, investing time, supporting, and serving others. It's never about a quick fix. It's not like, oh, you're doing better? Great, great. You're doing better? That's fantastic. It's about follow-up. My daughter is four years old. She has no shyness. She is a campus ministry kid. She will get up in your face and be like, I'm four. You know, <laughs> right there. And then she'll be in the middle of that dance party tonight. She'll be up till midnight. She loves it. Uh, but with Mackenzie, it's not about quick fixes. It's not about just adjusting a diaper and sending her along. It's about me spending time with my daughter really helping her grow up right in the Lord. For you guys, it's about growing one another and helping spend time, making sacrifices 
to really grow one another in the Lord. Let's keep going. Knowing what to do after the hug can sometimes feel like being lost without a GPS. Our GPS on our bus went out. I've been to Panama City before, but I didn't realize the bus driver didn't realize that. And she just kept driving around in circles. And it was finally after we were like, we're all watching a movie or talking on the bus. And then finally I was like, hey, bus driver, wait. Darren got up there with his GPS, and then we got that situation straightened out, realizing we had just done three circles in a row around Panama City. Uh, but what do we do after we hug and after we greet one another? Take a moment right now and hug the person next to you. Hug the people next to you. All right, love on it. All right, good. We are so good at that part. All right, that's great. We're so good at that part, but sometimes... What is the things we do after the hug? Do we really, again, spend the time building one another up according to their needs? Keep going. Some signs are more helpful than others. I saw the sign in Alabama. I'm not going to throw everybody from Alabama under the bus, but it said, illiterate, right for free help. All right. (laughs) Doesn't make any sense whatsoever, right? Keep going. Always open. Close. (laughs) (laughs) now this is in florida don't think we're a bunch of idiots but this is in florida during hurricane irma so that's why this makes sense now okay keep going we may need a love revival gps in order to really know how to navigate life and to help build others up we have to revert back to god's word this is our gps amen church this is how you're going to traverse life, right here. Keep going. Go. Go. All right. Christ commanded going deeper with one another. How is unconditional love a sign that someone is a disciple of Christ? This is not rhetorical. How is unconditional love, your unconditional love, a sign that's, that you are a disciple of Christ? Yes. If you're a disciple, you'll follow where that person is going. Jesus had all the mothers of love. Yeah. Following that Yeah. Jesus pointed to the oddest people and said, You, Zacchaeus, I'm going to spend time with you today. Come on out of that sycamore tree. Or you, Samaritan woman by the well. Who, me? You're a Jew. I'm a Samaritan. We're not supposed to be having this. Jesus is like, I want to spend time with you today. When we unconditionally love people like Christ, we're doing exactly what you just said. We're showing the world what a disciple looks like. Uh, next question. Witnessing to non-believers without loving believers is pointless. Why? Why is it pointless? Again, not rhetorical. That's right. They'll see that and they'll go, I don't want any part of that. They will go, why is that different than what I'm already doing? And they won't want any part of Jesus if they think his followers are like that. That's right. All right, keep going. 
1 John 3, Jesus Christ laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers. If you really want to build others up, then lay your life down. To go up, you must go down. And just like Matthew started off his lesson, we need to be on our knees down here. If anyone has material possessions and sees his brother in need but has no pity on him, how can the love of God be in him? Dear children, let us not love with words or tongue, but with actions and in truth. How many of you have ever seen a brother or sister in Christ in need and not done anything about it? Here's your honesty question. I have. It is so important. Oh, where are you going? All right, there you go. Stay there. It is so important that when we see somebody that has needs, that we find a way to meet the needs. I might not have the material possession they need, but I guarantee another brother or sister in Christ does. I guarantee you, if you will take the time, sacrifice a little bit of your time, or a lot of your time, but take time to find what somebody needs and get that to them, then we're really practicing the love of God and building others up. But if we just ignore those needs, we are no different than the world. We have got to take time to help people properly. If we want them to respond to Christ, we've got to take the time to help them. And if I, I, let me tell you a story. We were giving out coats to the homeless recently. We just did this this year. We had way more coats than they were homeless, and that was awesome. We probably, our, our church family got together about 200 coats, hats, gloves. It wasn't that cold when we were giving them out. Uh, a couple nights ago, but we got him out to the homeless. A couple years ago, it was freezing cold. You think this is cold? It was like record cold in Florida, like 20 degrees. I don't know. Some of you guys are from St. Louis. are like, <laughs> okay. But it was ridiculous. It was, I think it even hit the teens. And again, people in Florida were like, we're built to withstand hurricanes. They're like, hurricanes. I saw this meme on Facebook that was like, hurricanes were the game from 300. Bring it on. Sub-breathing temperatures were like the cowardly lion from the Wizard of Oz. Forget it. You know, we can't handle it. No, not the cold. But we went out there and we handed out coats to the homeless. And we thought we had gotten to everybody in downtown Gainesville. And I was turning around. We just prayed with the last person or who I bought with the last person. Said, hey, you know, if you're here, we can pick you up at church. Not a problem. We'll see you this weekend. It was a Thursday night. I'm getting back to my car. I'm getting in. And right out of the woodwork somewhere... One more homeless gentleman came. We had nothing else to give out. My wife had just given me this wonderful jacket for Christmas. I mean, it was like something I was like not expecting. She was like, here, you don't really have a, a nice enough heavy jacket to withstand the cold. I'm like, awesome. Gift from my wife, basically for Christmas. And I said, this is fantastic. And then this gentleman was like, look at me. He's like, I don't have a coat. All he had was a t-shirt with holes in it. And I would have been like, and what, what kind of Christian servant leader or example would I have been of? I said, well, good luck to you. We just gave out the last one. And I was like thinking this, like, 10 seconds in my mind felt like an eternity. Because I did hesitate, and shame on me for hesitating. But I took off that jacket and gave it to that gentleman and said, God bless you. You know, this, we're the same size. Enjoy it. Of course, I got home. My wife's like, where's your coat? I'm like, gave it out. Was that very expensive? <laughs> but it was something that, you know, you see somebody in need, and we get, and it's, this is not even talking about others in need in the world. This passage of scripture is talking about brothers and sisters in Christ in need. Again, if we can't do it right in the church, 
we cannot do it right out there. So that's another way we build one another's up. All right, keep going. I'm going to hit some one another passages for you guys here. And Darren's going to hit some for you as well. But we're going to use these last 15 minutes or so to talk about these things. Specific blessings of Christian family. Specific ways of building one another up. We can pray for one another. It says in James 5.16, Confess your trespasses to one another and pray for one another. That you may be healed. Not just like somewhat sewed up, but healed. The effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. When somebody comes to me with a prayer need, or this is something we're trying to do and practice more in our campus ministry, when we go to one another with a prayer need, you know, sometimes we can write them down. We'll be like, hey, we'll pray for that. That's what we used to do. And of course, I fully believe that people were praying for people in our campus ministry. But I said, hey, let's stop. When somebody has a prayer need, no matter what else we're doing, stop what you're doing and pray with that person. Say, hey, let's go pray together right now and pray for that person and continue to pray for that person every single day. But that's something we can do with our brothers and sisters in Christ to build them up. It's not to say, hey, I'm praying for you, but I, we are going to pray together as a family right now, right here, no matter what else is going on. So that's very important to do. And if you can do it right, then when you're out there in the community, my neighbor, my, my wife is so good at this of not like shutting the garage and saying, we're going to stay inside, but like McKenzie play out in the front yard, letting us have a presence out in our own neighborhood. Sometimes we say, hey, yeah, go talk to your neighbors and friends about Jesus, but we don't. You know, we're inside. How can we do that? But they're outside. So we go outside so we can catch neighbors mowing the lawn or whatever. And uh, my wife did that with our neighbor, Jean, who's a 70-year-old woman right next door. And she was expressing uh, uh, somebody that was not doing well. And my wife and I said, let's pray with you right now for that family member that's not doing well, Jean. What kind of impact has that had on Jean? Well, she comes to our church sometimes now. Baby steps. But praying with others is so important. Let's go. Keep going. Encourage one another. And did you know the Greek word for encourage means to, and you guys know where I'm going to go, inspire courage. Do you build one another up by inspiring courage in others? Anytime you guys take a moment, and whether it's on social media, texting somebody, or saying it to their face, and it's better to say it to their face, anytime you encourage one another, and I have an activity for you guys to do at the end in practicing this, you inspire courage in them to be a better follower of Christ. Who wants to be a better follower of Christ? Who wants to inspire that in somebody else? Then get out there and encourage others today, right now, right here at Family Vacation. Beware, brethren, lest there be in any one of you an evil heart of unbelief and departing from the living God. But exhort or encourage one another daily while it is caught today. Lest any of you be hardened through the deceitfulness of sin. Alright, next. Build one another up. I'm going to transition to Darren here in just a second to share a few others with you. But 1 Thessalonians 5, 9-11 says this. For God did not appoint us to wrath, but to obtain salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ, who died for us, that whether we wake or sleep, we should live together with him. Therefore, comfort each other and edify one another, 
just as you also were doing. The best way I can exemplify this, bless you. The best way I can exemplify this is by this screenshot here. Anybody know what this is? This disgusting looking thing on the screen? A what? A chicken? A what? Yeah. A what? A rat? No. This is the inside of my knee. This is when I tore my ACL. And this is what this looked like. Now, when I tore my ACL, I was playing pickup basketball with a couple of the guys in our campus ministry. This is many years ago. And uh, I wasn't smart enough to know that I had partially tore it. So then I kept playing on it and went up for another basket, a layup. And when I came down, it felt like a shotgun hitting my knee. Like literally, my knee did this. And that's what sound, the sound of the gym was like. And I went down, and it was disgusting. <laughs> and this is what, unbeknownst to me, what the inside of my knee looked like. So this is the picture of it. So I went to the uh, hospital, and they were like, yeah, you tore it. I was like, what does that mean? And they are like, mm, about a $25,000 surgery. I'm like, awesome, I can't afford that. Oh, wait, I have insurance now. I can't afford that. Yay! But did I want to have surgery? No. The reason I bring this up is because it was about two months from the time I tore it till the time I actually had that surgery. And when I was walking around, it was unstable, but it kind of quit hurting. And I almost was walking around like I am right now, to where you couldn't tell that I tore the inside of my knee. So other people are like, oh, you're better. You know, I had crutches initially, but, and I had crutches post-surgery, but for about a month and a half, I was walking around with no crutches. And I couldn't run, but I could walk pretty normal. And so people didn't know how, in reality, how torn up I was inside. The reason I use this analogy is do we realize how tore up from the world sometimes people are? Do people realize how tore up we are sometimes, that we need to be built up? Do we realize how tore up sometimes when the devil gets our claws, his claws on our brother or sister? How tore up they, they can be. Or even if he doesn't get his claws on somebody, but somebody's going through an emotional drain, drain, depression, whatever it is that we don't just say, hey, how you doing? Oh, fine. And we kind of tell something's not fine, but we just keep on going with our day. We need to realize that people are sometimes tore up inside spiritually and that we are the hands and feet of Jesus, that we are the ones that need to speak Jesus to them. To build them up. Keep going. Last frame and I'll flip it over to Darren. Build up. Galatians 6.10. If these were each a block, the D, the L, the I, the U, and the B. We're going to start with the D. And on the floor, if I could have a big block that had a D on it, which I just brought this up as a prop. But a D means to decide. Decide that we're going to build others up. It's a purposeful decision. How many of you guys have hit the gym? That was one of your New Year's resolutions. I'm going to get to the gym more in 2018. Did you know that only 12% of people stick with New Year's resolutions? 12%. When it's all said and done, hey, I got a gym membership three weeks ago. Are you going now? Nah. I quit going last week. You know, like that's basically what happens. We have to make a conscious decision to keep going, to make that a goal. But for Christians, when we resolve something in Christ, did you know that 92% of the time that those things happen when we really dedicate it and bathe it in prayer to Christ and decide that we're going to do something, that it makes a difference. Not that Christ can't do something 100% of the time, but we're the ones that fall short on that purposeful decision. 
decide. Then the L, look and listen. Are you looking and listening to those around you? Are you really aware of who has need in your campus ministry and you are encouraging them? And when you see a brother or sister in Christ doing something great, are you applauding that for the glory of Christ? When you see somebody hurting, are you coming to them for connecting with them closer to Christ? Are we doing things we need to do? Are we looking and really listening to people and their lives? The next building block is the I, inclusion. Sometimes we're so good at having, and I tell you, the best friendships in the world that we should have are within our campus ministry, within our church. Amen? Amen. All right. But when we have those, don't be so inclusive that you forget those around you, others in the campus ministry, you may not naturally gravitate towards that need to be built up. Take time to build them up as well. The you, uplifting words. Are we speaking uplifting words to one another? Some of this can sound repetitive, but it's so important that we practice that, that we include people and that we uplift people. On family vacation this year, we have out of our 60 that we brought with Jesus Christ, about 20 that have never been before, and about five or six that have walked into our church doors or not even walked into our church doors for the first time. But they're just, this is their first event with us. Like literally, we're talking about next week and they're like, we're like, come with us, come with us. And so how important is it that we include them and that we provide uplifting words for them? Very important if we want them to stick in the body of Christ. And then finally, the B, be positive. Be positive. There's so much negativity in the world. There's so much negativity on social media. So much of that revolves around politics, revolves around race issues. But guess what? We are one family in Christ. We're one family in Christ. Be positive in Him. If we can't be positive off the cornerstone, off our, us being saved, then what else can we be positive off of? That is the most positive thing I can think of is that we have Christ and He saved our lives and that we're out there providing the lifeline for those in our group that need it and for those in the world that need it. Amen, church? Amen. Let's keep going. A few more minutes. Darren, you got it. When you want to advance, let's go. Talk about specific blessings of having a Christian family. We've talked about confessing our faults one to another in James 5 16. It says, Confess your trespasses to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed because the effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. Now, I do have a confession to share with y'all this morning. Um, I, I, my wife and I have a 16 year old daughter, and, and they both have long, you know, my daughter's got long, long hair, my wife's got uh, it. And you can't wash hair out of a rag. You know, if you're, you know, if you're, you know, I'll get in the shower and they always wear my hair And, you know, then we'll do the laundry and I can, you know, I can remember you know, taking the take it to the door. I can wash my hair in there. And so I'm taking a shower this morning and, and I'm sitting there and, you know, sometimes I get to where I'll name the hairs. And it's like, so I'm washing all the face, you know, face is boring. And uh, suddenly this was Shaylee. And Shaylee and I were having really good conversations while we were on And then I realized that my wife and daughter are on this trip. <laughs> so I don't know who Shaylee belongs to. <laughs> All of a sudden I wasn't that enamored with Shaylee anymore. Now is this a confession? I mean, it's a weird story. But 
creates a devotion. It creates that love to one another that you cannot get anywhere else except with your Christian family. Amen. And then when we have that devotion for one another, it also helps us create and want to be hospitable to each other. It says in 1 Peter 4, 8 and 9, And above all things, have a fervent love for one another. Mikey was talking about this earlier. For love will cover a multitude of sins. Be hospitable to one another to, to one another without grumbling. Have warm, ardent love toward one another. Talking about being hospitable to each other, that doesn't necessarily mean I have to open up my house, create all this food, and have all you when I come over here and eat everything you eat. That doesn't necessarily mean what be hospitable. But you know, oh um, man, I don't know what you're saying. Christian family. 
when you're hospitable, when you're devoted, when you're confessing, above all things, you're going to have that fervent love for each other. Because I can guarantee you all one thing. to be for one another. But it is the mandate of the church to become a community of love, a circle of Christ followers who invest in one another because Christ has invested in them, who exhibit love not based on the mutuality and attractiveness of its members. I'm not going to base my love on you to, to you based on, hey, you know, just on how we feel about one another, or to you, or to you, but based on one model and one thing alone, and that is our mutuality in Christ, who washed the feet of everyone. Remember what Maggie said, including the betrayer, including the one he knew was going to kill him, or betray him, and that was Judas. So here's my question to you guys as we get ready to close out. Whose feet in this church, whose feet in your campus ministry have you washed with your attitude and actions? Not probably going to carry around in the basin of water and wash everybody's feet in your campus ministry. But whose feet have you washed with your attitude and actions? And here's the kicker. Here's the punch in the gut. Whose feet have you not washed in your campus ministry with your attitude? And actions. That's the one to remember. 
And here's your activity. Let's go to the last slide. Two-minute drill. We're going to give you guys two minutes to talk about these things. Uh, go ahead and click it. And one more time. Express your appreciation to someone. It could be somebody in your campus ministry sitting right here or somebody in another campus ministry. But someone who has encouraged you and someone that you feel like you need to encourage right now. Something that somebody next to you or near you does well. How they exhibit the love of Christ. Whatever it is they're doing spiritually right. I want you to share an encouragement with them right now and practice this the rest of the day. And be specific regarding how their words or actions help you. Not just like, I like your smile. It makes me happy. But talk about a specific way they're encouraging you or how you see them encouraging others in Christ. Go ahead and do that with one other person or two other people. There's an odd number right now. Okay? One or two other people.